Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're back for part two of the discussion of the offense. And joining us again is Childs Walker of the Baltimore Sun. Childs, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. I, uh, I promised people who were listening to the first show that the first thing we talked about this show was something that uh, interests me greatly, but I'd love to hear your, your process and I think other people would love as well. You know, I, I, we, we obviously walk, watch camp together uh, some, and there is a furious amount of information happening, particularly when, when there's multiple drills on the field, but even when it's just 11 on 11 play going, going they, they're trying to keep the pace very quick. And they try a much quicker than a, than a game type pace most of the time. It's almost like you're running no huddle constantly, and they try and uh, you know run as many plays as they can. And I I've always seen reporters come to uh, camp with these small little I don't know what I would call them a dress book sized note taking things that I would find wholly insufficient in terms of of getting that. But I wanted to get inside what is your process either in camp or or at a game. Um, in terms of taking notes when you're on deadline. Yeah, part of, part of that I'll tell you is practical because they give us those little notebooks in bulk. And so that's just, we're, <laughs> we're working, with, working with the tools we're given. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, as, as we, were, we were talking about this in the production meeting a little bit, I mean, I, I, have, I have colleagues who, um, some, some of them use wider notebooks and they take extremely detailed notes during camp, chart, chart every play, you know, chart, you know, Lamar Jackson's statistics for, you know, each practice. I'm, I'm, I'm a little looser than that. Um, I'm, I'm more, um, 
I make a note of basically any play that, that catches my eye, you know, with a, with a brief description so that, you know, if I'm, you know, writing observations for that day, or if I'm, you know, going to write about that player in the next few weeks, you know, I, I have it, I have it to go back to. Um, I'm usually not charting every play in camp unless, uh, unless I'm focusing in on a specific player for, for a piece that week, you know, then I might, I might have a real, you know, hyper-focused radar on, on, on that player. Um, now games is kind of a, kind of a different story. I mean, because, because I'm going to be writing, you know, a fairly comprehensive piece on deadline, which means, you know, I'm probably going to have an hour and a half or two to write, you know, immediately after we get up from talking to the players in the locker room. Um, in that case, I almost have to be taking notes in my story file through, throughout the game. Um, you know, so I'm typing, you know, I'm trying to type an evocative description of just about any player that stands out to me that I think might be important to the story of the game. And I, I know, I know you said you do a version of, of this as well. You know, I, I want to, because I don't have the opportunity to go back and watch video as I'm writing my story, I want to have, you know, an accurate, catchy description of the play already down so that when I go back to write about it, you know, it's there in my mind's eye, you know, as, as quickly as possible. So that's basically what I'm doing throughout the game. And then, you know, as I start to, you know, as we get into say the third quarter and you start to have a better sense of what the main themes of the game are going to be, I start to pick through those players and see, you know, what, you know, what fits the story of this game? What's, what's important, you know, what needs to be fleshed out a little bit more. And then I start to, I start to flesh out and, you know, make those connections as, you know, as, as we get closer to the, to, to the final gun. So, I mean, that's, that's basically, basically how it works. Okay. That's a fascinating process. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I try and write things that are of a sort of similar vein. You know, I have, I'll have three or four lead items I'm writing about. Now you do, you have five things, which is, you know, very right. well-written, very, very um, interesting pieces. One of the pieces I really look forward to on a weekly basis in the sun. And it really does a good job of tying those things together. You, you don't have one additional day for that, that, right? That's the, that's the very day after the game. Um, I mean, I'm writing it. I'm writing it immediately after the game and then it goes up at 5 a.m. Then the, the next day, that, that, that's how it works. But I mean, like, especially say, I mean, a Thursday night game, you know, we go down to the locker room, talk to the players after the game. So getting, getting back up to the press box at probably 1215, 1220 a.m. Um, don't want my editor staff to be up literally until sunrise. So I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> to file, hoping to file that piece by probably about 2 a.m. to 2.30. So yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm having to put all that together you know, in, in a pretty tight window, which unfortunately means I, you know, you don't get as much into the real detailed, you know, film breakdown kind of analysis of plays. Would love to be able to do that. Would love to have time to do it. Can't really do that under the circumstances. So, you know, that's, it has to be a little more fluid as I described. <laughs> All right. And are you the one still who is writing the previews for the game? I don't see a byline on that anymore. I'm wondering if that's yeah. collected. No, no, I still do the scouting. I still do the scouting report. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so there. By that time, you've had a little more chance to do some other review of all twenty-two or whatever you want. I'm assuming. Yeah, right. By that time, I've had the chance to to really sit down and. I mean, a we've we've had our our breakdown with with John Harbaugh on Monday afternoon, which is a good chance to go through the game with him. Um, and then, yeah, we'll sit and do a detailed rewatch of the game and take notes all over again on either Monday or Tuesday. All right. All right, outstanding stuff. I, I I always process whenever we can get into it with whatever guest is is just always very interesting to me. How about we talk about the offensive line a little bit here? 
Yep. I, I, I just start out at a high level. The offensive line, um, usually like looking at the total number of negative events gives you a good idea of what the grades are going to look like to start with. But they, they were responsible for 1.5 of the three sacks, as I, as I saw. Two of the quarterback hits, four pressures, which isn't bad against a team like the Bengals. And this was where they, they kind of fell down a little bit. Three penalties, one false start, and two offensive holdings in this game. Um, yeah, I guess I guess maybe we should start out talking about Patrick McCarry um, because – you know, he was obviously in the spotlight uh, blocking Trey Hendrickson and with Ronnie Stanley, uh, not, not, not in the game. So, I mean, he was, he was, he was out there at left tackle and he had certainly an uneven game with, with some of the, you know, the, the, the sack that he allowed early and, uh, and the penalty. So what, what was your grade on him? Yeah. So uh, he, he certainly didn't fare as well the second time around. He had his, his, it was actually his second best game of the season in that week two matchup versus Cincinnati. And he was in there at right to, at left tackle for um, Ronnie Stanley then as well. Uh, he had allowed contributions to five pressure events in this game. So parts of three pressures, including one full one, a half a quarterback hit, two thirds of a sack. Actually, that sack, he was beaten pretty badly, but Moses also helped phone booth the pocket. I think Lamar might have escaped. Otherwise, uh, had that not happened, so I gave a, th- a third of the sack to Moses on that play. Missed five blocks. Two of those were losses at the line of scrimmage. That's not too bad. You want to avoid the times where you're getting beat by the man directly opposite you. That's just a, the basic thing about football. If you if you pull and you miss a block or you go into level two and you can't find a block, those are much less serious misses, so, so that's okay. Uh, four blocks in level two, one pancake, three out of three on poles, two nice highlight blocks. Uh, C minus. Um, he had duplicated his worst game of the year against the Browns. Really had a lot of trouble in that game, and it was nice to see him kind of bounce back. And frankly, McCarry's been all over the place in terms of his grades, including two bad games against the Browns. But given the pass rushers the Ravens will face, I think if he could be kind of a C minus player for the rest of the year, that'd be pretty terrific for for the Ravens. It would be even better if Ronnie Stanley came back. But it, but if he were you know a, a levelized C minus player, the Ravens could work with that. Right. Right. Um, and then, and then I guess let's talk about the other, the other tackle, Morgan Moses. He was obviously back after, after two games away with the shoulder injury. And we had talked in part one about, you know, is he actually maybe the Ravens most valuable tackle at this point? Um, uh, from my view, had a, had a solid game, but how did you grade it? Yeah, he's outscored Ronnie Stanley on on the year, as we kind of kind of hit on briefly, by a fair amount. So uh, I think he has been the Ravens' most valuable tackle this year. Uh, four pressure event shares in this game. Uh, it wasn't too bad because there's a lot of partials. One one point thirty three pressure, so so one and a third, and a third of a quarterback hit, a third of a sack. Again, as I mentioned with with McCary because he shared that. He had four blocks missed, but none of those were losses at the line of scrimmage. So that's really good. Three of those were L2 whiffs on Wilson. So something where he had to go up and either um, uh, hit Wilson in level two in, in, in some ways. It might, I, I can't remember one that was specifically a seal, but uh, but he did not get it done in terms of, of uh, getting to Wilson on three different plays. Three blocks in level two, though. One pancake, three out of four points on poles, one highlight combination block. B minus after adjustment. Um, uh he is uh, playing as well as any Ravens offensive tackle right now. So, so that's uh, positive. Uh, they can't be without him, but I guess more importantly, 2024 is looming. He's in the final year of his contract. I think the Ravens are maybe at a decision point here about potentially extending him. I don't think there's any way they'll let him go. I think he's, he's playing for the Ravens in 24. He's playing out his contract. Um, but uh, you don't get any sense that he might be retiring or considering retirement. Do you? 
No, I, I, I do not. I mean, he's, he's given every indication that, you know, he, he, he feels he's playing at a high level one, one wants to keep going. I mean, he obviously takes it. He's missed two games this year. Um, or is it, is it three now, either two or three. Um, and you know, had, hadn't for a long time before that, but takes a tremendous amount of pride in his physical preparation and durability. So no, I, I think, I think his plan is to, is, is, is certainly to keep going. And I agree. I mean, he's, you know, he, he has turned out to be an, uh, a low key, very important signing because he's given them exactly what they were hoping for when, when they got him, which is, you know, real solidity on, on that side of the line, which we, we know they had, they had previously lacked. Um, so I guess moving on with the offensive line, you, you had mentioned the penalties, um, the two holding penalties, obviously both, both John Simpson, how much did that, uh, did that lower his grade for the game? Yeah, kind of a significant hit to him. And and he had had five straight games without a flag, which that's been the bugaboo for Simpson his whole career. Uh, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. them returning after a couple of weeks off, it's it, 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 he's still kind of at or a little bit above his career rate for flag for flags, which was very, very high in Las Vegas. Half a pressure, one full quarterback hit. So it's not really about the negative events as much as it's about these damn holding penalties. The first one was on Reader, and he's probably going to get beat. So, you know, it wasn't a, a, a terrible hold in that case. The other one was on Jordan Battle, and Jordan Battle was blitzing through, I believe it was the B-gap. I think it, um, he was in the process of, yes, it was. He was in the process of helping Linderbaum on his double team, and he's responsible for coming off. Well, he kind of saw Jordan Battle late, reached out his left arm, and – Held, he knew it right away. He went to the ground, and he didn't even have to look up for the flag. He's beating on the ground and mad at himself about it. Uh, he, I, I, most of his issues with holding calls throughout his career have been what I will call standard run block holding calls, where he is blocking inside the frame and doesn't give up in time when the player gets outside the frame and the and the running back gets outside of the box, kind of outside of the tackle box. Um, which has been, an, you know, an ongoing problem. But this one is a new one on me, you know, for him to, you know, reach out with his left arm and and, and try and make a block on a on a blitzing safety. So a little tough on that. Three missed blocks, one loss at the line of scrimmage. That's that's a good relationship between those two. He made six out of eight pulls. I felt like I was being a little too nice to him on some of his pull blocks. Like they weren't really as high quality as as the six out of eight would would let you believe. One level two block, one pancake. No highlight in this game and a D. It's his, actually his lowest graded game of the season overall. Um, now, you look at this on PFF. They, they won't have as big a, a bad a grade on him, but the, the penalties weigh very heavily on his score for me. Uh, uh, I, I would go into that, but we'll do that on another show. I, I, I kind of plan to talk to someone specific about that in terms of why penalties are so much relative to other events. Yeah. Right, right. I guess on a brighter note, um, Kevin Zeitler has uh, – is back to playing at a consistently pretty, pretty high level after an uneven start to the season. Um, did he continue that in this game by your, uh, by your reckoning? A- a- absolutely. And I, I, I want to ask you at the end of this, what the feeling was uh, among the, you know, the, the, the beat writers on what was wrong with Zeitler. Do we have to be, do we have to be very worried about this over this first three weeks of the season? But he's now uh, six of the last seven uh, games. He's, he's played very well, three partial pressures in this game. Uh, a, a contribute a contribution a third of each of a pressure a quarterback hit and a half sack um, one miss block one loss at the line of scrimmage so not bad at all five out of five on pulls three blocks in level two two pancakes two highlight combination blocks that's the kind of game you get from Zeitler on a regular basis these high mobility games where he's just not staying in his place making his block time after time um, and going through the dance steps there he's he's actually having to move out in space and, and make some blocks 
Um, bottom of the A range after adjustment, even with those those various plays. But I want to go back to the, to, to the point is, where were the beat writers at the beginning of the year in terms of um, their concerns over Zeitler and the fact that he might have lost something to Father Time? Yeah, I, I would say it was just surprised more than anything else because there hadn't been any indication of certainly of anything in, in, in camp or, or anything like that. Um, he's kind of the classic player where you, you feel like you almost don't have to think about him because he's, he's so dependable and he's just going to be out there and be good more often than not. Um, at the same time, because of that, I think the tendency was to give him the benefit of the doubt and, you know, think that he would probably work through it because it didn't seem to be anything physical and, you know, sure enough, he's pretty much showed that he deserved to have the benefit of the doubt, right? So I, I wouldn't say there was any sense of, of panic, but there was a little bit of, well, you know, what's 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 going on here? You know, you always wonder that with, with, with a veteran player who's started as many games as he has. But he he works so hard um, both on the craft and to keep at the level that he is athletically and – he certainly seems to have the sense that he can keep going for quite some time. So it would have been surprising if there was a sudden drop off. Um, so, you know, the Ravens, he talked to the Ravens, I think before the season started, you know, really asking for an extension, I think was the right. idea. And this is a good, this is a good situation for him. Obviously these got here around other talented um, offensive linemen and organization that really values offensive line play. And, probably has a lower chance of, of, of running into the same discontinuity foibles that people who don't coach offensive line well will run into. Um, do you get the sense of the term of deal that he would be looking for? Is, is Would he be looking for another three-year extension to what's going on? Or do you feel like he's looking for a series of final two-to-make-one deals, kind of like we had with um, Yanda, Reed, Yanda, Mason, yeah. some other guys, yeah. My sense is that that's the most likely scenario. Um, I have not heard him talk about that that in any level of detail. I think that's probably what they would be looking for, and it would make sense at this point in his career. You do get the sense that he he would like to stay here for all the reasons you just laid out. It's a good situation for him. I think they would probably like that as well. Uh, so I I I think they'll be in they'll be in discussions. All right. All right. Well, that'd be interesting because if he's lost, and I, I honestly think there's a pretty good chance that the Ravens just have too many other things they need to deal with, price-wise or cap-wise, that to to get Zeitler in there. And they also, you know, they have Voorhees next year who could be a, a very practical alternative to Zeitler as as the player. Boy, you know, all I can say is I hope we're right about Voorhees and that he's he's as good as we are projecting him to be because. A lot of the hope of the Ravens, you know, beating this tsunami of a of a UFA situation they have coming up this offseason is dependent on Voorhees stepping in and, and some other players as well, but Voorhees uh, uh, being one of them. It, it is, and obviously, if you if you can't count on having Zeiler back, you're really talking about two guard spots and not 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 just one, right? Because it's not yep. like, I mean, it's not like the left guard spot's not going to be up for competition next summer. I mean, you know, Simpson. Has been has, has been fine, and he's been out there as as a sturdy starter. But you know, I don't think he has. It's not like he has that position locked down. So I mean, you know, you're really, as I said, you're talking about two. You're talking about two spots. 
Yeah, and we're going to discuss this more, by the way, on, on our show on Friday morning, GM, because we're going. We did went over the defense. We're going to go all over every, every offensive spot. So I don't want to take too long in this game, but Simpson is also a free agent himself. So while I right. think there, there's not a tremendous market for him, and I think the Ravens will have a chance to re-sign him. I think he's just one of the options. I don't think he's the option based on what we've seen so right. far. That could change over the next ten weeks. That could change, but uh, but I think uh, he's not an obvious obvious choice at this point. So, so that leaves us with with one one more offensive lineman to uh, to to get to, and that's uh, I guess uh, I guess the guy who's become the star of the line in a lot of ways, Tyler Linderbaum. Um, you know, starting to get you know more and more talk as a as a Pro Bowl candidate, and uh, you know I, I know. Uh, I know he received another another very strong uh, pass blocking grade from uh, from PFF. What uh, what did you make of his performance? Well, you know that's that's the biggest thing is that Tyler Linderbaum last year was a very bad pass blocker who was a very good run blocker, and the PFF mixed grade weights that eighty five fifteen towards the run blocking. And I don't want to get into everything about that because I've talked about this with with, with other people from right. PFF about it, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's an enormous overweight to run blocking. And pass blocking is always the more important thing. So what I would say, and you mentioned Brandon Stevens earlier as being the biggest single surprise, and I would agree with that, by the way. But Tyler Linderbaum's improvement as a pass blocker is the most important single thing on the offense, at least. I mean, he's just he he was terrible, and now he's he's good, and that's an enormous jump. In fact, he's more than good; he's very good um, this year overcome you know some size limitations now we have seen some targeting recently there was a there was a bad play um against the browns where he really got overwhelmed in the middle of the field but generally his anchors look pretty good he came to camp heavier this year i think he's probably given up a little bit as a run blocker and I'm, i know people are going to say i get crucified for for ty- any kind of title under bomb comment usually but his his rundown field uh, and some of the runs he's done on screen blocking, whatnot, been tremendous. But the rundown field where he, he knocked Jordan Brooks into left field twice on the same play um, yeah. looked really good. Um, I still think he's probably a little given up a little bit of his quickness to put on more weight. But I think it's clear that trade off has really paid off for him, and he really is. I, I, it's it's a very close competition between him and Zeitler for the best Ravens offensive lineman right now. Zeitler's probably playing at a more consistent high level the last seven weeks. Lindebaum. Uh, although he's hurt, um, you know, it has probably put together a few higher high points than Zeitler. Uh, and this was one of them. He only had six missed blocks in this game, no negative events. Only two of those were losses at the line of scrimmage. Uh, so uh, all the others were level two, no block or slipped entering level two, which sometimes that's a shed. I have to be real careful about about looking at that. But I think this was a slip in this game. Three level two blocks, two out of three on poles, zero pancakes, one highlight combination block and A overall. So uh, it was his, I believe it was his second best game of the year, but it might've even been his best. It was right there. I'm going to look just real quickly before I, before I say this, uh, it looks like it was his second best game of the year. Uh, just a tick behind the Tennessee game, uh, for, uh, uh for being there. So a- anyway, outstanding game from Linderbaum, uh, really happy to see him playing well after, after a couple of mediocre weeks, uh, these last two. Yep. Yep. So under the skill guys, right? Uh, yeah, a lot of the skill guys. So let's talk about it. You know, you know the rules now. Uh, who do you want to talk about first? Well, I guess we talked about uh, we talked about Lamar a good bit, and we talked about Keaton Mitchell a good bit, right? Um, mm-hmm. So uh, should we do should we do Gus Edwards? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, we've 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 talked about how good his 
vision has been at the goal line this year and and you know how that how that's been a major factor in their success in the red zone you know one of the best red zone teams in the league um but i did think that that the 26 yard run to start their offense in the second half was a reminder of how effective he can be in other ways he's not just a straight ahead bull as i think he was probably maybe misperceived to be in his first couple of seasons in, in the league i mean he 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 does have the ability to uh to make some impressive cuts and he sees the field well and when they spread the field out field out more he he can really take advantage of that and and and, and break some bigger runs so i mean you know it's we've certainly seen that variety from him over the last few years but you know I, after some of the injury troubles that he's had, you know, it's certainly nice to see him playing. Um, and I think probably close to his peak level right now. Yeah. I, 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 the year has been very good and he's been a great short yardage player. Uh, got, got, certainly got that nose for the goal line. Uh, the thing that's bothered me a little bit about his play and it improved a little bit the last three weeks against Seattle and Cincinnati in particular is that his yards after contact have not been nearly as good as they've been the rest of his career. So career, he's got a a 3.20 yards per yards after contact average. And this year it's only 274. He'd never been below 320 in a season previously. So the 274 is what's dragging him down to that. Um, Immediately, as soon as he came into the league, he had amazing yards after contact on runs right up the middle. And that just doesn't seem to be there as much anymore. I would say that the point of attack offense that they had with Roman was much better at getting him second level opportunities for first contact. And generally speaking, defensive linemen have a, have a much lower missed tackle rate than linebackers do. And certainly than safeties or corners do. So anytime you get a guy into level two with the, for the first contact, that's a, that's a real nice opportunity for them. So I, I think he suffered a little bit from that, but by and large, I mean, I, I, I just couldn't, I I'm, I'm, 93% as happy with Russ, Gus Edwards as I ever was, even though his yards per carry is off this year. Uh, we kind of knew that was going to happen with the change in in offensive personnel to go into a lot more 11. And even with Ricard playing a lot, it's been Edwards who's completely shouldered the burden in terms of being the back who's in there when the other teams knows the run is coming. So it's been he, he's had a high share of it in past years, but he's but he's had a share. He's had he's had somebody sharing it with him, and this year it's all him in terms of yeah. Uh, yeah, of who's in the game. Yeah. Yeah. So who do you wanna who do you want to talk yeah, about next? Let's uh, let's move on and talk about uh Rashad Bateman, who I think has a has a big chance for a breakout over these next few weeks. Uh the rest of the season with with Mark Andrews not around, uh, probably a few more targets going to wide receiver. Uh Bateman has shown some outstanding trust characteristics the last few weeks in terms of coming back and, and picking out the interception in terms of uh, continuing to work hard all the way through the play, including Lamar's touchdown pass to him in this last game. Uh, he's just, he's been very good about uh, being a high catch radius player. There's been obviously a couple stumbles this year that the interception where he's on the sidelines, he didn't really seem to make a play on the football and it got unusually picked off, not by an undercut, but by an overcut from the, from the uh, defensive back. Uh, that was unfortunate, but, uh, but otherwise I think he's, he's really had a terrific season. Um, and, and he should be, uh, a, a guy, I think from this point forward who really picks up a lot of targets and I hope it's a lot, a lot of deep targets. It seems like they're trying to go to him. We talked a little bit in the first show of, about them being just a little bit off on, uh, on a deep target in this game. It feels like he has a big play coming. It, it just, it, it feels like it's, it's almost any any play now because as you said they are 
They clearly want to use him in that way. He seems to be consistently getting a step or two on his defender when when he does have those opportunities. And you have to think they will get the timing right at some point. And that will be that will be a big moment for him, you know, because he's I mean, he's he's had a tough he's had a tough couple of years in, in a lot of different ways. And I mean, he sees himself as that kind of player. So I think for him to have a moment like that to confirm that would be would be an important thing. And, you know, we've seen it. We've seen it happen in practice and, you know, we know he has the ability, you know, we've seen it in games in, in past years. So, I mean, the touchdown was great, but I, I think it would be, it would mean a lot to him to have one of those big strikes, you know, connect. Um, so, uh, so I guess we I, can, we can, yeah, go ahead. Let, go let, ahead. Me, let me toss in one more Bateman comment here because I, I think it would mean not a lot to, not only a lot to him, but a lot to Monken as well, because he's he's been cast as a route runner a lot in his time with Baltimore because that's he, he certainly is a great route runner it was it was what made him a first round pick out of Minnesota it wasn't his speed but he's still fast and the other thing about being a great route runner is you have to show the vertical explosiveness for people to take your wiggle at the top of the route seriously when you want to in cut when you want to you know go make even a post move or a slant and go or whatever you want to do they got to believe what you're selling at the top of the route in order to give you separation on anything but a vertical route. And that's a, uh, uh, you know, I think a, a, a kind of lost. And and I think that may be why they're continuing to try and feed him a little bit there. I don't think they necessarily have to connect with him, but they have to have at least like a pass interference call or, or another play that's really close. And it's just missed for some reason uh, for get that on tape for other advanced scouts across the lead to look at. And you know, the Taylor Britt play that we talked about that you just alluded to that we talked about in part one, you know, was oh so close to to being that. So yeah, it, as as I said, it kind of feels like it's kind of feels like it's it's right there for 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 him. Um and then I guess we can we can continue with the with the wide receiver room because uh Odell Beckham Jr. had a had a had a big game on, on Thursday night. And we talked a little bit in part one about the the really nice connection that he and Lamar have developed on those kind of timing plays. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In, in the middle of the field with Lamar hitting him in stride and then Odell uh, really paying that off by getting, you know, maybe another 10 or 15 yards after that. Those have been, you know, those, those are, those are some of the biggest plays in the game in terms of getting their offense going on Thursday night. And, you know, for those who had started to be skeptical about Beckham, you know, after the first, you know, four or five weeks of the season, I do think you're seeing real juice in his legs now, you know, if there was a worry that that wasn't there, I do think we saw it on, on Thursday night. Um, you know, he had the he had the deep play late in the game, but really even before that, I mean, he, he had the you know in the, in the two minute game, he had the the real nice play along the sideline where where he makes the catch, but then he spins away from his defender and then he kind of tight ropes along the, the sideline and you know really puts them in position to finish that drive with a touchdown instead of a field goal. Um, so I, I do um, he's headed in the right direction. I mean, the injuries are always going to be a concern, but if he if he can help them win a few more of a few more big games like Thursday night with plays like that, I think they will consider that a a perfectly fine investment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I would agree, and and it makes all the difference. The game on Thursday makes all the difference, and if there are a couple more, yeah, I'm just about there in terms of the investment paying off because he's certainly done some things in terms of penalties that have been positive. Very quietly now, and I'm going to be out front of this because I've I've been a big critic of him in terms of a a ski slope of a yards per target career trajectory he's been on from 10.0 in his rookie year down to 6.4 uh, with LA a couple of years ago, 6.5 overall for that, that season. Odell Beckham has, has now with the big games these last couple of weeks has got 8.9 yards per target this year. That's a terrific number for a Ravens wide receiver. Uh, very few, very few players in Ravens history uh, wide receivers in particular have ever had more, uh, and only only a couple of guys have ever reached 10 yards per target. So um, he won't do that, but uh, but it's uh, still exceptional that that he's making these big plays, and a lot of it's coming from Yak, not just on uh, on verticals. So uh, really nice to nice to see him uh, take advantage of that. I'll stay with the wide receiver room. Let's go to Nelson Aguilar, who had one of the really great tip ball plays you'll ever see and sometimes it just works out but you gotta you gotta actually collect that football and and you think of it as like, like an interception but that ball is rotating it's not uh it's not um spiraling in the normal way it's uh end over end pitch and roll uh difficult to break yourself out of that if you're flying a plane thing uh just an in, in, incredible uh fortunate play there for the ravens yeah and I mean, you, you said it. I mean, we could, we could talk about it being a lucky play. I mean, it, it, it was, but, you know, he still had to go and make the play. And, and not only did he, not only did he catch the ball, I mean, he, 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 he made the play, went all the way to the end zone and obviously finished it with a, with a little flair with the, with the somersault. And uh, I, it, I guess it felt like a little bit of a cosmic justice because it, uh, it came right after the, uh, Came right after the the, the Zay sixty eight or touchdown got got wiped out by the by the holding penalty. So uh, that was uh, 
the football gods uh, intervening on the Ravens' behalf, I guess. <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. Aguilar now at 10.0 yards per target this year, too. Fantastic number and way outperformed my expectations. He'd had a really bad year in a lot of um, the key metrics for wide receivers, drop rate, yards per target, whole, just a whole bunch of things that he hadn't been good at last year. Uh, and maybe it was just a matter of circumstance and, and uh, uh, the time at New England was not an ideal time for him. But uh, but anyway, good good player this year and and couldn't be happier. Um, and then I guess we've talked we've talked about most of the skill guys, but I know you wanted to talk about uh, about Ricard, um, who didn't play a whole lot. In this game, I think only only played what twenty five offensive snaps. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, he he continues to be uh, valuable in in all the ways that we've seen. But I mean, what what did you want to highlight about this game for, for him? I, I guess there were a couple of things. Is that you know, against the Seahawks when they ran up two hundred and ninety eight rushing yards, they only used him twenty three times in the game. So it's not like he was the big piece in in the run game. They're right. using him on a fair number of pass plays and. You know, a fair number of run plays, too. It's not like it, he's never out there for run plays. But you'd think it would be more than that when they have a big game like that. And, you know, they ran for 150 this game. He was out there for a fair number of pass plays and some of the run plays, but but by no means all of the run plays. And uh, it's just – it's uh, they seem to have found a good happy medium in terms of realizing how important he is to this offense and keeping him around to be important to this offense when they really need that. And also not limiting their receiving options or the monk in defend every blade of grass by having them out there on, you know, a, a, a vast majority of early down plays. And then I think the quiet benefit of that is he's been he's been pretty banged up at this point in the season the last couple of years. And I, I don't think that he is right now. I mean, and that's that's maybe a, a quiet benefit to them using him in a, in a more measured way. You you would know this, but did he have both hips worked on at different times, or was it the same hip twice, or what was it? Honestly, can't, I can't I can't remember at this point. Um, I mean, I know he's had he's had two separate hip things, but I can't remember if it's both or or okay. or, or yeah. I'm not I, I'm I'm not sure. I would have to ask him. Okay. All right. Very cool. Well, maybe we maybe we answer a couple of mailbag questions then, since we've got a lot of those skill position players worked out. If if you wouldn't mind, go over to a uh, to look for hashtag film study mailbag, and we'll kind of pick some questions together on this. Um, I got one about the defense. I'm going to hit up really quickly here because I thought it was a it was a good question. And oh darn it, now I lost it. Yes. Um, so this is from at. South 3RN Fry 3D. <laughs> okay. Uh, JP. We'll just call you JP. Said, will um, should the Ravens go and try and uh, go out and try and sign Andamakung Su, basically? And uh, should we be worried about the Ravens giving up a lot of yards per carry against the run at this point? Any feeling about either of those? Any, do, do you th- have you heard anything about uh, Andamakung Su still being a hot topic with the Ravens at this point? No, I have not heard a peep about Ndamukong Sue since that. Um, I mean, I, I guess that really came from him um, when mm-hmm. when 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 there was that news tidbit. I can't even remember how long it's been now. Um, I don't, I don't get the sense that that's overly likely. Um, and I mean, the fact that the fact that Broderick Washington wasn't active in this game. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what that, I don't know what that says about that. But I mean, I, I think that there. Are, fairly happy with their, with their frontline guys in that sense. Um, you know, the Michael Pierce and, and, you know, Travis Jones has had a, has had a nice year overall. 
I do think it's a it's sort of a quiet relative weakness for this team. I mean, they haven't their their performance against the run hasn't been quite as good as maybe we thought it would be coming into the year. I mean, their defensive performance has been better than we thought it was going to be. I think in in a whole lot of ways, not not so much in in that way. And you know, the Bengals sort of came came out and went right at them with with Mixon and had a lot of success with that in, in the first half. So. And the Browns had run very effectively against them the week before, so I do think I do think it's a little bit of a worry, but I'm not sure that anybody they're able to go out and get is going to make that much of a difference there. So let me t- let me kind of untie these two points because I think they're, they're 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 similar, but they're not the same thing. So so in terms of getting Sue. I kind of like the idea of the Ravens having a sixth defensive lineman active on a regular basis, just because I think whenever you lose a defensive lineman, if you go from four to three, it's disastrous. If you go from five to four, it's dangerous, including if this was by choice for Washington. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I look forward to hearing for sure whether this was by choice or if it was a uh, due to some illness or last minute injury or whatever it might have been that that they they had to make this happen. But the other yeah. part about the about the Ravens' run game defense is I really wouldn't be too worried about it. They're giving up four and a half yards of carry basically when you when you factor out the kneels. So when you take those out, they're up to four point five. But they're also giving up four point one eight yards per pass play. I think it's four point one eight, might be four point one nine per pass play this year. That is an incredible figure. It is way yeah. ahead of the uh, you know the franchise record of 462 in 1999, and um, you know the league averages were about two tenths of a yard longer in that day for pass plays. So this is a shockingly low number, and it's really a, a, a schematic choice that they're making. So if they start out of a two deep shell and they rotate into all sorts of different things from that, they morph into different things. But when they start with too deep, you're daring the other team to run. And they're going to run right. on you a little bit. And you can run on the Ravens for a while. And then you can't when they get ahead two touchdowns or more, you know, in the second half. You you, you got to get back to passing the ball anyway. I think I think they've been – McDonald's been remarkably patient at letting some of this running just happen with the enormous benefit they've gotten of reducing the roles of their cornerbacks in the defense. So I think that would be how I would answer the question. Well, and it's interesting that you put it that way because I, when I asked Patrick Queen about that after the game on Thursday, that that was basically what he said. He 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 said they did a good job starting out the game, attacking what we gave them. Um, we weren't surprised by it, and you know we were we were ultimately happy with the way the game played out from a, a defensive game. Now, I mean, they're always going to be self-critical. They're never going to be happy with 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 any yards they give up, but. That answer tells me that that you're on the right track with with what you're saying about you know how they're conceiving of the shape of the game. Yeah, the the only run I was really upset with the entire game was the 15 yard run on I think third and 18. That was that was one where really you got to let that up and let them back into the game a little bit on that, and uh, uh, it led to a you know a long garbage time drive, which I'm sure we'd have preferred not to see. But it was uh, it was just one of those uh, one of those things. I guess I shouldn't lean too heavily on it. Uh, let's see. Do you have another question here? You've, you've got up. I can, uh, grab the next one if you like. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go to look at the question. So if you could, if you could read it. Okay. Um, no problem. Let me go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the next one is Angelove 85 at Nikki 62 a says, hi, Ken, how do you feel about a likely Kolar Vokalek combo? I feel like Kolar may break out. Also, will we see more wide receiver usage? Let you take that one. Um, first. Yeah, sure. 
Well, it's the that is the $64 million question right now coming coming off of the, the news from Thursday night. Um, I would think the majority of the tight end receiving opportunities would would go to likely. I mean, he's he's the obvious next in line. I mean, he is he's sort of Andrews' apprentice. I mean, he, he talked about that on Thursday night when he talked about how much it hurt him to see Andrews hurt like that. I mean, he said, you know, Mark has basically been my 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 big brother on, on, on the team in a lot of ways. Whenever I have a question, he's the guy I go to. So, I mean, you know, it is – there's a lot of respect and, you know, emotion tied up in that, and he understands the responsibility that's going to be on his shoulders. At the same time, you know, we talked about it in, in, in part one. I mean – there, there are reasons to question whether, whether how, how much he's ready to, to step into that. I mean, he's had really good games filling in for Andrews last last year. Um, I think he's had a little bit of a disappointing year to this point. To be fair, has not had a tremendous amount of opportunity. So this is this is his time to show he can be a high level NFL tight end, and we'll see. I mean, I, I we we have a good reason to think he has the talent. Um, Kalar, I think, is a much bigger wild card because I mean, he had he had essentially become a a fringe player on the team to, to this point, you know, hadn't done anything, I think, to force his way into the Ravens offensive plans. He's, he's going to have more opportunities. Now we saw, we saw him have one on Thursday night. Um, he was known as a, as a, you know, effective possession receiving tight end coming out of college. Um, so you would think he has the tools, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to show it because I mean, he, as I said, to this point, and we're not just talking about games where he hasn't had a lot of a lot of opportunities, but hasn't done a lot in practice or training camp. I think to force his way into the the Ravens' plans. Um, so, yeah, go go ahead, Ken. Let, let me ask you this: So, Travis Vokalek may or may not get you know advanced from the practice squad, and we, we talked about the, the, that already. So, I don't want to re- rehash the, the the part about whether they do it via elevation or whether they they just add him to the fifty three. But Eric Tomlinson was on the practice squad until just recently. And in fact, the timing of this is just terrible in terms of him being cut from the practice squad. I don't know if another team has picked him up, but in in losing Andrews, the Ravens also lost their best blocker um, uh, uh, among the tight ends. Is Tomlinson a guy they might come back to? Or did you get any sense from maybe your time around the castle that Tomlinson wasn't quite the player that they thought he was anymore in his time on the practice squad? And that maybe had something to do with him being cut. I, no, I, I don't think that that was the reason he got cut. I think it, I think that was just a numbers game at, at other positions. I don't I don't think that was driven by his performance. Cer- certainly didn't get that sense. Um, I could certainly see him being back because he's he's a guy that they that they trust. I mean, you know, as a as as a veteran, you know, a guy with a track record of being a very effective blocker, would wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me all at all. Um, how much how much we'll see him on the field? I would be I'd be a little dubious about that. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know that. I don't know what would have to happen for 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 that to be the case, but certainly would not be surprised to see him back as sort of a, a sort of a reserve, you know, security blanket type option. Right. I mean, it would be a frustration with Kolar thing, I think, if as yeah. Kolar the blocker, if they were to get Tomlinson on the field. So, I I would almost think if they if they did that, if they brought it back, it would almost mean they've kind of made up their mind on Kolar that he's not going to be a a long term option for the club. Well, and I think this is this is this may be his last chance to show that he can be a long-term mm-hmm. option for the club. I mean, the opportunity is certainly there for him, but you know, if he doesn't seize it this time, you know, I kind of think they're 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 probably looking to you know add another long-term option at that at that position uh, next 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 spring. I, I I'm with you entirely. By the way, I mean, we we all know it's a declining four-year option you have with any player 
you you bring in. When you draft a player, you've got a declining four-year option. That's a lot of value initially. But most of that value is in those first two years in terms of looking at what the player can become because there's a ramp-up period, and they don't usually become good in in just a heartbeat from not being good in the first year and hardly playing at all in the second year. And unfortunately, you know, there's other guys on the team in exactly that spot. J.A.D. is in that spot. Uh, Argarius Washington was a guy who looked like he was going to take over that slot corner role and not give it up and played very well the first week before he got hurt. He's honestly in that same spot. He's going to have to come to camp and earn it again this next year, I'm afraid. I, I mean, Falele is kind of in that spot too, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. That's a great example. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Ben Cleveland is so far past that spot, it's not even funny. But, right. But, yeah, we, it's, a, right. it's a, a lot of guys are, uh, are uh, you know, they, 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 there's real questions about whether you keep them. And, by the way, I, I always say this, but the easiest article of all of camp to write is talk about possible cuts among fourth-year players because they're all on the yeah. bubble, basically, when they're on that first, uh, first deal. Yeah, that's right. All that's right. right. But I guess, well, I guess to finish off that question, though, I mean, we didn't talk about the wide receiver part of making up for Andrews. And I, I have to think that a lot of the, a lot of the targets are going to go to the wide receivers and not to, not to either of either of the young tight ends. Um, and maybe, look, there's no way that the Ravens are going to be a better team without Mark Andrews than with Mark Andrews. But if there's, if there's any silver lining, maybe, maybe it is a spur for, Lamar to make more aggressive connections with the, with the wide receivers to be, to be, yeah. to be looking for those opportunities more than he might have when he, when he always knew he could fall back on the connection with Andrews. Um, you know, again, that, that doesn't in any way outweigh what you lose, but you know, maybe we see more dynamic relationships with those wide receivers emerge over the next six weeks. That's a great point. Just, just having him distribute the ball more effectively, which I think he's done pretty well this year. I think he's done a yeah. pretty good job of moving that ball around a little bit, but he's clearly, he's got more with Beckham, more with flowers, more than Andrews still than the others. And in, in his time at camp over the years, it's you've, the, the connection with Andrews has been clear basically since they first stepped yeah. on a field together that, that they've people, wanted to, you know, yeah. No, people, people who are out there are, every day have no idea i mean it is it is every practice in the summer too i mean he, <laughs> yeah. he he's still that's his that's his uh that's his go-to i mean yeah. there's there's no question mark andrews is the number one receiver on the team yep. you know i mean that's just that's that's the way it is and that's that's the way it's going to be it's uh unitas and barry had the same kind of relationship and and i know there's some colt fans who are just rolling over bothered with that comment because barry and unitas obviously are very special to this town but uh it's 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 similar type of relationship they're just younger at this point and uh, they still have, uh, probably have a lot of years together but there is a question here uh, to, to that end and it's, it's back to angela of 85 who says the Ravens save five to eleven million if they cut Mark Andrews next year. So it's five million if they cut him um, uh, uh, early, and it's eleven million if they cut him late. If other tight ends emerge, and given the cap situation and new injury, any thought they might cut Mark next year? No, I I, I think that's as close to zero percent chance as you as you can get. I mean, he's he's. He's as core a core player as, as you can get. His contract is still pretty reasonable relative to the top players at that position, which he he clearly is one of those guys when he when he's healthy. I I, I would be stunned by that. I mean, he's you know, I I think he's one of those guys that they would love it if he was a, you know, if 
if health allows, if he was a 13, 14 year Raven, I mean, I think they see him as one of, one of those core guys that will be in the ring of honor one day that, you know, will will be back, you know, over and over, you know, after his career. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys. So I, I would, I would be stunned by that. I, I would agree with you, by the way, that I that I don't um, see that happening. And I, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the other tight ends doing. I don't think there's anything the other tight ends could do in a short period of time here, in six games. Even if likely were to pick up 26 receptions over that period of time and 10 yards per reception, that that's gonna right. change the, the long term view on Mark Andrews. So I don't think it'll be an outside competitor. Uh, it, you know, likely would be a great it'd be a great find to have likely all of a sudden play at that level. And, and, and that'd be, that'd be positive, but I think it would, it's all down to if there's something medically that just cannot be fixed about this injury, then it could be a different thing. And we really haven't heard the extent of the injury yet. So, so we heard something about a fractured uh, tibia or fibula. I forget which. I think tibia, but okay. I would, yeah, I would have, I, it was an NFL network where I'd have to go back and look at that. And then some sort of, some sort of ligament damage yeah. in, in the ankle. And you're right. I mean, we've seen, we've seen injuries that ended up being far more severe than we could have contemplated at, at the beginning. I mean, you were, you were talking about, you know, Bo Jackson and in, in, in the first part, we were talking yeah. about Keith Mitchell. I mean, he had, he had one of those injuries, right. Where, I mean, it ended up being, you know, a real um, life-changing injury. There's no reason. There's nothing that we know now to say that's the case, but I mean, that's always the, the 1% possibility. Right. But, but no, I mean, based on the facts that we have now, I have no reason to think that he won't be ready for camp next year. And, you know, as essential a part of the team as ever. Yeah. And it's it, the, the Ravens, obviously it's Dennis Pitta still a close part of the organization in terms of broadcasting and whatnot in town, but uh, he's a guy who they went through this with. Right. I, I would say, I don't think the Ravens with Lamar on his second contract capping as tight as it would, would have the kind of patience they did with Pitta with um uh, andrews and it's not going to be his fault by the way i i, I don't I, I think pitta wasn't his fault in terms of no. of wanting to get back on the field he worked like hell to do it um it's just going to be a matter of the, the patience with the injury specifically that i'm talking about they may have to at some point cut bait just because of the cap costs so no and the pitta the pitta was, it was that was a horrible situation and everybody felt horrible about it <laughs> i mean there's as you yeah. you said it it's not anyone's fault it's one of the terrible uh you know subplots of this game yeah well let's let's go back and, and do the mvps for the game three two one are you set to do that you want to do that with me yeah sure sure okay uh well we'll start with your number three guy then who's uh who would it be um let's see number three i would go with um gus edwards okay good choice uh i'll try and be different here and i'll, I'll say i will go with I'll go with Tyler Linderbaum and Kevin Zeitler cheat a little bit. I think they both, both, have been, both basically both had fantastic games on the offensive line. And I think the offensive, those two deserve some credit for, uh, for what happened in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think number two, um, you have to, I guess you have to lean into Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. Um, this was his most productive game as a Raven, his first, 100-yard receiving game since the 2021 playoffs, first in the regular season, I think since 2019. Um, as we talked about, you know, we saw some real zip in the legs, you know, with the, with the, with the yak plays, um, the, the, the deep play at the end um, started to give us some real hope that they're going to see a major payoff for the for the contract and that, you know, he can help cover the the gap left left by Andrews. I mean, he's, he seems to be in a, in a very good place right now with his, his connection with Lamar. 
All right. I think you nailed it all the way on that. I'm not even going to try and add to it. And Beckham is my number two guy as well. I'll go first on the number one guy since I, I think we probably have the same guy again as Lamar Jackson. I yeah, don't see yeah. how you can pick anybody else in a game where he has 120 passer rating. He's really good under pressure as he was again. And uh, he's doing other things in terms of ball placement that have really helped Beckham, for example, uh, pile up the yak as we talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially in context, the, the, the importance of the game, the, the, the stage, the fact that he had the scary, uh, scary injury you know early in the game and you know i think he was probably still playing on somewhat of a a tender ankle i mean you know he had had the heating pad on the sideline and, and yet I don't, I don't think that really much limited what what he was able to do for for the rest of the game um and we did i mean we didn't talk too much about that injury but i mean that was clearly you know i think even more than andrews was the scariest uh two or three minutes of of, of the night right because well you know while he was in the while he was in that blue tent you know the stadium went silent. Everybody saw the season sort of flash before their eyes. So much promise. I mean, we've we've seen how limited their their ultimate prospects are without him. So, um, you know, and then he came he came back out and showed and showed why everything they do is so tied to him. So 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 yes, he is the yeah. he was the man of the night. All right. Always great talking football with you, Childs. Uh, it, it just, just a pleasure and uh, extremely good knowledge. Really appreciate that you're still at the Sun when a lot of other people have uh, have taken their leave for, for for various ventures. Good luck to them, by the way. But uh, but uh, happy to to still have you in my morning paper. Uh, but tell folks where they can read your work online and where they can talk football with you if they have a question for you. Yeah, uh, you know, you can follow me on on X slash Twitter at, at Childs Walker, um, you know, so, so I'm there all the time. And then uh, and then BaltimoreSun.com, you know, still still the place to, to read everything that I read. You get the, the five things you learned at 5 a.m. The, the day after every game and then, uh, you know, other other pieces throughout throughout the week. So uh, that is uh, where to keep up with me. Do you have any cool assignments coming up that are maybe non-sports related or, I mean, hopefully with the, with the Ravens through the Super Bowl, and then are you going to cover the Orioles? Are you going to do horse racing? What are you doing? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the, the Ravens will certainly dominate, you know, as, as long as, as long as they're going. And I mean, you know, they're, they're going to be, you know, arguably the biggest, the biggest story in town over the next few months. So, so, I mean, that'll, that'll, that'll be my life until then. I did have, I did have fun. I know, I know you're a big, you're a big Orioles uh, fan, fan and and you get into the analysis of, of that as well. I mean, it was, I, d- I did get a little uh, chance to dip in uh, right at, right at the end of the season and, and, and the brief, brief playoff run, which was fun. I mean, I, I did cover, I covered baseball uh, many, many moons ago. And I mean, I really, you know, I grew up in Baltimore, so I grew up as a baseball fan, you know, with, 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 with the Colts gone. I mean, it was the, the Orioles were everything to me. So, I mean, baseball was my first love and, and, you know, it was, it was cool to be able to, to dive back into that with such a, you know, not just a fun team, but, but an interesting team with everything that's in front of them. So I would, I would hope to be able to, to, you know, do, do some more Orioles stuff next year. I mean, that, that's, uh, that's going to be a fun team, I think for, for years to come. So we'll see, but as you know, it's always a, always a variety for me. So, so, so I'm sure it'll be something. All right. Well, very cool. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. You know the rules by now. Uh, also, to our loyal fans, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing when you when you see this out on YouTube and uh, commenting if you like, I'll try and make sure I go out and, and look at the comments that are out there on YouTube. If you, if you don't mind taking five minutes to write a 50-word review on the show, that's always greatly appreciated as well, particularly if you're going to give us five stars. Uh, I'm sure you could do that on a lot of different platforms, but uh, always appreciate it. Childs, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I look forward to the next time.
We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.